Kunasti, how are you? Welcome to the Candle Tales podcast. Each week we'll tell an Irish myth with music and have a chat about it in the next episode. My name is Sarika and I'm here with my brother Aaron. And this week we're listening to Knuck Anya, Anya's Hill, told by Aaron. This podcast is brought to you thanks to our Patreon supporters. Links and descriptions are below. And to hear about new gigs, courses or the latest news, go to candlelittales.ie or follow us on any social media at Candlelittales. But for now, hey Aaron, tell us a story. Time, like the rivers, keep flowing ever onwards. For those special, ever-living people under hill, time flows in unusual ways. Anya was one of those. And no matter the heat of the sun in the summer, or what shape the cold moon was in the winter sky, Anya would always help those who asked. Oftentimes she would offer love to many, and she would teach how to love with an open heart. She would lead by example, and her people would follow her brilliant bright red hair, yellow cloak and soft touch with anticipation for what she could show them. Anonia could show them a lot. How having a full life of blessings and opportunity and love was more fruitful than any triumph you'd get from victory over another. But for all the love she had, for all the light she helped to shine in the time before time and ever since, for all her brightness and brilliance she brought forth in those summer sunny days and the moon-filled nights, she was never far from hate and anguish and hurt. Her own father was one of those who resented being put below ground. You see, before they went under a hill, these folk would proudly walk across Erin's green lands. Anya kept herself in the south, always having a fondness for the rugged mountain ranges that looked over such open expanses of fertile soil that reached out towards the sea in every direction in the south, the west and the east. She preferred to stay with her sisters, Grian and Fen and Anya, those three a triplet of tricks would wander together spreading joy mischief and often mayhem whenever they had the pleasure for such a thrill shining love amongst the men and women of the Fae with pleasure showing how to open their hearts by often opening legs and touching breasts hearts and minds of anyone they met Anya always preferred to lead with love and any man that was lucky enough to receive her love under the moonlit sky would remember how to love deeply and truly ever after and any woman who was kissed by her sunshining lips could do nothing but radiate her loveliness from her inside to out like sunshine shining brightly in the summer sky to be near Anya, the bright and radiant, the glowing one of the Tua de Danin, was to be warmed and filled full of heart. She and her sisters could play and leap in and out of changing form at will. 
to most men's wonder, often taking the shape of silky smooth swimming swans or hopping and running, darting and scurrying, long-limbed agile hares or Anya's favourite, the red running mare. On their derg, the swiftest mare in Ireland, the one that could not be outrun. Anya, in this form, would set such a pace that neither two of her sisters could ever even attempt to pursue the streak of red hair that went snapping in the wind, flowing fast and blurring past, with her sharp hooves cutting right through the countryside. Whenever Grian or Fen would find her again, they would find her in her female human form, wrapped in her yellow covering cloak over bare beating breasts with her bright red curling hair framing her pale skin and a sickeningly sweet smile showing off her savage sharp teeth her green eyes glinting with delight they were then their time like a drip in the vast ocean that never stopped flowing, and soon it was washed away. The time of the two-a-day to go under the hill came with the coming of the sons of Mill, with their steel and their iron and their magic of a manufactured making. When that time came, Anya knew she would not remain above ground, and so a single tear came to her emerald eye slipped down her white cheek and dried on her face. She vowed, though, to still and always lead with love and teach whoever was to come to her hill and ask for it. Her surroundings would always be filled with love, truly and fully, granting grace and abundance, health and good fortune for anyone who simply asked for it. And she followed her father, Ogbull, below the hill. Ogbull had hate in his heart for going below ground. And for the length of time they had been in Ireland, the tour they'd Annan stayed much longer still under those hills. And his hate festered there. Even as his daughter continued to shine her ever undying love on those living above, he despised their kind. His heart became resentful, his light skin sickeningly pale, and his hatred grew ever hot for the kindness his daughter still showed those meagre mortals above ground. Then one day another so-called king came to claim the land. From Dunclare to Dungare, from Ain to Dunacare, from south to west, east and north, right around Knock Anya. And this king sat on the throne in Cashel as the king of all Munster. But he had no love for the land he was claiming, and he hailed from nowhere nearby. He made no attempt to call for the help of the eternal living ones. No respect was shown, no grace or graciousness. 
He never once went to look to the moon to know the right time to sow the seed. No desire to ask for the summer's sun to heat the soil and bring about a good crop for his people. No thought at Lunasa to come to Nakonya with offerings or gifts. No blessings or songs were sung for the feasts and the harvests for the time. The dark cave where Ogbull dwelt became darker, and nothing the bright Anya could do could lighten his hate. Anya could also see this king. Aliel Olam, his name we remember now. She knew he was not worthy of ruling in this land, but she also knew he would not be the last unworthy ruler. He was not the first at any rate. And her way was always to lead with love and hope for better days to come, helping those less fortunate out of their situation. But Old Bull had had enough. He made his plan, and his people would retaliate to teach this so-called king a lesson. They waited till Samhain Eve, when the veil of this world was thin between theirs, and he was at his strongest and he led with fire and rage out of the underground cave. And they came from Nakonya, where the great many of the fae they went around torching the fields, leaving nothing but ash. Anya's heart broke to see the poor people hurt, and the king on his high seat, on his cold, hard rock of Cashel, condemn them to work all the more in miserable conditions to make it up to him. The king continued in this way as he had begun, and so too did Anya's father continue to burn hate hot and keep the fire burning in the fields every sow and eve. Fires flamed as his rage maintained for all the years he had been underground and not respected. But Anya knew the people hurt were the people of the poor, the people of the land. But this went on for years, till the king held council. He was confused at the goings-on, yet he tried not to give heed to these foolish superstitions. He knew to rule with strength, authority, cruelty when it was needed, and it was needed more often than not. These people, he presumed, were forcing his hand. He could weather this storm. Now due mostly to custom and tradition, he held counsel with his druid, whom he thought little enough of, Fergus McComan. He warned his king, If you don't go to knock on you, this so eve I see this foretelling for you. The downfall of your reign will soon be the come. Once spoken, it could not be unsaid. All ill had to go to Nagonia. More so to put these whisperings of fairies to sleep, mind you. All the fires had started with the locals, no doubt, he thought. He would go to Nagonia, he went. That and Eve they left. They had not been gone long in their leaving when the fire blazed across the night sky. The darkness was lit up 
as these fires ruined every crop and every field surrounding Nakonya. As they went on their way, passing Lochgur, they went to the bottom of the hill, the soft, rounded hill that looked a little too round compared to the ones around it. The sun had set, the moon was in the sky, and the fields were burning hot. As they reached the top, Fergus, the druid, went pale and stopped. Suddenly, they heard faint music travel towards them. Whish, tis very music. We must stop our ears with wax, lest we be taken under the ground with them. Though the king did not believe in such superstitions, he stuck his ears with wax all the same. This night was eerie. They climbed to the top of the hill, and there they saw it. Three standing stones marking graves of three men that had fought a faction off once upon a different time, and the whole hill opened wide, an entrance in the middle, and a faction of the Fae went walking in, all of them tall and pale and sharp, leading their way down with fire burning in their hands. At the end of the solemn line, a red-haired woman, pale of skin and beautiful and bright, wearing a yellow cloak, her father standing beside her. Well, something came over all ill. He was furious to see these faces. He thought, if they were to come to wreak ruin on his land, he would teach them a lesson of who was in command. He came from the shadows, he came from behind, and struck Old Bull down with one strike. The hill seemed to close, and Anya was left on her own. She stood and froze to see the king filled with so much hate. He glared at her and knew he was looking at the bright face of a goddess of a race he had not believed in. And he was struck by her beauty then, and the darker thought crossed his mind. He could put her in her place below him, and he above her, this goddess of grace and love and light. He took delight as he felt sure he could disgrace her and show the rest of Munster who was their rightful ruler. He moved towards her frozen form and grabbed her, not for love, but lust and longing and desire to show his power over her. Hate filled him and fully knowing and fully showing his cruel intention to lead with cruelty and dominance and strength, he forced his way into her body and took a full knowing of her. He took from her that that she did not graciously give nor consent to. And when he had spent his energy taking his pleasure out from her, he leant his head down, sweating, satisfied, satiated. Anya whispered in his ear, What you have taken from me was not given but it will be regained. What I'll take from you, you'll never again claim. 
she snarled at him then, baring her viciously sharp teeth, and ripped his ear from his head. He screamed, but was left alone on the hill. She seemed to disappear from underneath his arms. He went to strike her, but his sword went through the ground. She was gone. He was now imperfect. He was blemished, tarnished from Anya, and he knew he could no longer be king. All ill, Ullam, all ill, the bare-eared, walked away from Nakonya, losing his ear and his throne for dishonoring the land. For no king of Ireland could take his seat if he was not complete in body. And Anya? Some say that Anya, she bathed herself in the healing waters of Loch close by, and that her pain dissolved like that time disappeared into the depths of the deep currents the ever-flowing, long-lost time ago. And those lake waters in Loch in Munster still see people come to cure themselves and ask for Anya's help for those that are dying, that they might see some small few bright days before they transition through the veil. That lakeside, where Anya can still be heard singing her song sometimes where she runs around with her sisters in the full moon, Anya of the wisps, Anya of love, of land, Anya of luck, of harvests, and most of all of the summer sun and the light of the moon, Anya the bright, the fierce, the furious when she must be. She would not let one story stop her feeding love throughout all of Erin. Instead, she continued to love all mortals and gave birth to many with the blood of the Fae running through their veins. When she gave birth to Owen of the Aegonacta, a whole line of kings came from her, for she taught her son how to love and how to act as a king ought to act. And as such, those kings descended from her line. The Aegonacta sat on the throne of Cashel for 2,000 years. And she can still be called upon at Lunasa in the summer or at any full moon. When the sun is in the sky or the moon is shining bright, it is Anya telling you she is there. For she can co-create love with you. And she can help bring justice to and retribution against those who act cruelly in love. Remember that. She is one to pray to, for any grievance, to offer strength and hope and luck and love. Anya will give you that. You just have to go to her hill and ask. This podcast was produced and edited by Oshin Ryan and Rory O'Shea.
You can find more about us on our website, candletales.ie. And we are on all the social medias, so like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Candlelit Tales, or send us a message to get on our mailing list. For more of our videos and live streams, like and subscribe to our channel on YouTube, which also now has a Candlelit Tales for Kids playlist, hashtag Tales. Liking and subscribing to our channels really helps us grow and get to more people. And if you're able to give us more direct support, you can chip in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash candlelittales or make a one-time donation through the PayPal button on our website. We also do really love to hear back from you guys. So if you have any questions or requests, please feel free to contact us directly or leave a question in the comment section below. Because what we're trying to do is just get these stories out there and share them with as many people as possible and ask you to tell them as well. Anything you can do to help us out is hugely appreciated. And we especially appreciate you listening. You.